This is PSU wrong. <laughs> Wait. I just forgot. This is PSU wrong. Shelby, Where are we like? we've been I doing wrote this for 45 I years know. now. It's a new year. I'm still oh on my gosh. holiday time. This is okay. PSU wrong. This is PSU wrong, where we talk trash no, about the, the podcast we love. Where we... love. This is PSU wrong, the podcast where we talk <laughs> trash about the wrong, things the we hate, love to hate and hate to love. The things we love to hate and hate to love. Okay, and we're your perfect. hosts, Shelby and Matt. Great. Awesome. Happy <laughs> New Year, Shelby. Happy 2023. Off to a rocky start. It has been a rough start. It really has. Um, so I guess that's part for the course on this uh, entrant. But I did it. You know, I showed up. And that's what counts. So yeah, let's take a quick look back. How how did you feel 2022 went? What were some of your highs, lows? Do you have any New Year's resolutions for 2023? Ugh, New Year's Are, resolutions. What's the vibe? Are you feeling contemplative? No, I'm not. I'm feeling oh. like I didn't even think about it. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not living. I'm taking after. I'm approaching 2023. The way Vin Diesel approaches Fast and the Furious, and I'm living life one quarter mile at a time. Like I can't think a year in advance. I, can't I even think still don't back. understand that. It means you're like quote. basically in the moment, man. You don't know what's coming around the bend. You don't know what's around the corner. But like, what you have now is what counts, okay? And what we have is family, friends, variety, chosen variety, all of the above. Hmm. So, okay, looking back though, that was 2022, lackluster. it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad year. No, 2022, I feel like was a solid, a solid bounce back. This was the first year in a while. I feel like I, w- I want to say this is the first year since the Trump era that has not had the year end with like, wow, that was a crappy year. Hope the next year is better. Yeah. Situations. Yeah, which, I guess like on a, if we're grading on a curve, then this, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I feel like I did not see that content very much. <laughs> That's true. Um, so your ins are, wow, this year is great. And your outs are no more talking shit about the year before. <laughs> no, my ins are just like being thankful that even though the year, yes, had like bad moments and yeah. lots of, you know, negative things as always, as that always. that there were some bright spots, it seemed. Yeah. And less like general bull, general general horrible chaos like every single day right and it was a little bit more spread out there was more reprieve yeah it didn't reach your circle at least what does that mean i just mean i'm just saying that for you it was a good year yeah okay (laughs) Uh, i'm not coming at you this is our first episode of 2023 i'm i'm being positive i'm being supportive i'm being validating okay Okay, perfect perfect okay so um Goals for 2023. Wow. Yes. I, I don't even know. Um, well, I'm I moving. feel like sometimes you have goals. Yes. No, that's true. I used to definitely. I just feel like. You are I, moving, I'm which drained. will probably be the end of the podcast, <laughs> as we've said before. The end of the podcast is nearing, uh, unless we get some very 
emotional emails about how important we are to our listeners. Um, yeah, but that time difference swayed. is gonna be rough. <laughs> well, if you would just prioritize, um, you know, the things in your life that matter most, then okay. we would be having. Well, I'll now. record at midnight. It'll Perfect. be great. Okay, <laughs> we solved it. Uh, what about you? Um. I feel like I don't have any specific like New Year's resolutions. I in general feel like I like what I have been doing. I sort of just want to like tighten it all, if that mm. makes sense. Like, yeah, I, yeah, like I feel like all of the stuff is good. Sometimes it's just like a little chaotic and yeah. I'd like to sort of like get it moving a bit smoother, but right. Otherwise, you know, it's like I I like my job. I like my friends. I, I feel like I work out a decent amount. I'm like eat fairly well most of the time. You know, I'm I'm not like I don't feel like I'm wow have really felt fallen off the wagon at any point. Right. It's just kind of like, OK, we could maybe doing be doing some things a little bit better. Also, because I'm going to Japan for like two and a half weeks oh, at the yeah. beginning of March, I feel like we're sort of in a in a weird spot where it's like the next two months is like one phase and then I'm gone and then there's like the rest of the year is like a whole mm. separate thing that I haven't even begun to think about yet. Right. Okay. So you're living life three months of it. Yeah. Of three time. quarter miles at a time. Three quarter miles. <laughs> you know, that's great. Um, really good perspective there. And I did feel like it was a nice break, a nice holiday weekend. Well, 10 days or whatever it's been. I don't know. Is it Monday? Um, and so that was nice. Um, I really checked out of everything. I, it was the first Christmas in a long time that I didn't go to a movie theater. Like I didn't see anything in theaters. Mostly oh. because there was absolutely nothing showing in the theaters around my house. Um, you and went- my family had already seen The Fablemans. So I couldn't go to that again. Huh. I mean, I haven't seen it, but. What? Uh, I feel like there were maybe things in theater. Well, what was in theaters? Babylon? Yeah, okay, you're right. I could have seen Babylon, but let which me tell already you right seen. now, I have no interest in it. And I'm sorry uh, that it's like your number one, but like that's not convincing me, okay? <laughs> Everything I read about it is like, you know what? Maybe I'll save that three hours of my life. That's my 2023 goal is no more, <laughs> no more movies that don't spark joy for me. <laughs> In some capacity. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Okay, we're had that's <laughs> no no more movies that don't spark joy. We're in January, Shelby. We'll be watching I'm only movies. I'm looking forward to quite to a Megan. few films this year. I look mm-hmm. forward to our episode on plane. I'll even sit through Megan if needs be. Um, <laughs> Megan is the only movie that's coming out all of January, so <laughs> we might have to do three episodes on it. And I welcome that. Um, But no, there was some fun uh, pop news, I felt like, that happened over the break. Um, First and foremost, we finished up our year right as the Nepo Baby article hit the stand. Ah, yes. That That was was a wonderful section from New York Mag. They did great work. I know. It was kind of like out of nowhere, but honestly, iconic. Um, Chaos, you know destructive uh choice on their end and honestly reading the details pretty harmless like it wasn't even saying like these people need canceled don't ever put them in anything again it was basically just the funniest little 
floating heads uh, diagrams of who's related to who and what that gained them. And some of them were like big stretches. I think like Timothy Chalamet's uncle was like the director of Leprechaun 3 or something. <laughs> Yeah, I remember Kate Berlant's parent was like a sculptor, and I was like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Meghan Markle's father was like a lighting director or something. So it's like, yes, obviously any any access to the industry is helpful, but you know, there's uh, apples and oranges in this lineup of nepotism from like, you know, John David Washington or. Jamie Lee Curtis or you know these extreme (laughs) stars interesting though because like there's certain nepo babies that you're just like ugh, I hate this person and then there's others where you're like oh no they're fine and it's and it sort of has nothing to do with how nepotism-y they are it has everything to do with just their like vibe and if their vibe (laughs) is sort of bad and they're a nepo baby you're like oh my gosh get them out of here yeah. Well, but that's what's it's- interesting is because up until this article, Jamie Lee Curtis had been one who's like so forthcoming about it, admits her privilege and has done multiple interviews where she's like, yeah, I'm not going to pretend that having my parents be who they were didn't help me get cast in my first role like in Halloween, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But then when this article hit, <laughs> I don't know if you saw her her Instagram post about it, but she was in her feelings about it. OK, she was like really turned off by this because she said um, uh, the current conversation about Nepo babies is just designed to try to diminish and denigrate and hurt. Um, I, you know, she's like, I recognize that I have some privileges and reflected on fame and I have value, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, it's curious how we immediately make assumptions and snide remarks on how that someone related to someone else who is famous in their field of art would somehow have no talent whatsoever. I've suited up and shown up for all kinds of different work with thousands of different people. And every day, every day I've tried to bring integrity and professionalism. There are many of us dedicated to our craft, proud of our lineage, strong in our belief that in strong in our belief in our right to exist. So in these difficult days of so much rage in the world, can we just try to find that quiet voice that the brilliant movie Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, hashtag promo, reminds us. And as my friend, oh, wait. I don't know who Robert Reynolds studio is, but she says, be kind, be kind, be kind. So it really I took mean, her out. I, I do like, I guess I can, I can see why Jamie Lee Curtis specifically is feeling this way because she was lumped in with a bunch of people who are, you know, not necessarily I mean, with lots of young people who I don't think are as talented and are sort of just like coasting by on their, <laughs> connections and looks and whatnot and jamie lee curtis for whatever reason like is a nepotism person and is famous but also seems to be like she's a very like working person actor you know what i mean like she's in a lot of stuff (laughs) she's like don't let me in with these tiktok stars yeah and it's like she's been in lots of movies and sure some of them have been great but she's been like in lots of bad movies and had bit roles and things so it's not like she's you know sort of riding in like cleopatra on her you know palette or whatnot like she Famous Nepo baby. Yeah. Like the, well, she was the queen. So I, know. I think the, OG the definition of a Nepo baby. <laughs> um, so I can see how like, she's sort of like, I guess if what she's inferring from the article, which I think 
is part of it. Like these people actually aren't that talented. They're just related to famous people, which I think is the case for some of them. And she's like, wait a second. I think I'm actually have been doing good work and have been doing it for like sort of years, whether it's gotten acclaim or not. That's frustrating to be compared to like Lily Rose Depp, who you're sort of like, (laughs) huh? uh, Like what, what have you done other than like, just sort of be around. Um, But, but did she need like, did she need to necessarily go off on an Instagram rant? Probably not. I think if I, I think her PR agent is probably like, Jamie, you don't need to be doing <laughs> that, especially since you, we are in the thick of a campaign for the Oscars for you. Yeah. Like, let's maybe not jump down the throats of journalists. But, you well, know. Well, I mean, Plot Twist is famous Nepo baby, famous father, name-dropping child, uh, Megan McCain, came out with the most – like honest and relatable response, which was like to my fellow Nepo babies, just acknowledge your privilege and opportunities. Your last name has gotten you and move on. It's pretty simple. At some point, talent comes into play, but let's stop acting like this is in any way a rational burden that people know who your parents are. You sound like assholes. And I was like, damn, 2023 is the year I start agreeing with Megan. I don't think so, but it, it, it's close. It was a good, mean, good comment. Megan McCain is definitely like the old school Republican energy. Where, <laughs> well, no, but like of like Liz Cheney sort of vibes. I feel where it's like they are, um, like mm. you still ag- disagree with them most of the time, mm. but they aren't like a Candace Owens type figure who's right. like always has to pick a contrarian view. Like every now and again, they do sort of go with like a common sense standpoint. And you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I can respect this to a certain level of like the insurrection was bad. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like seems like guessing. more people should be on that <laughs> bandwagon. Cause that's not that hard of a choice, but it's like, yeah, I, I, for whatever reason, they're in that sort of weird uh, old school group because 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 Megan McCain was also famously the one who was like oh, I would put a iPod Nano between my shoulder blades to go back to Caesar's Palace or whatever about the vaccine when it was coming out <laughs> yeah. so you know you, uh, you know, yeah uh, right twice a day yeah so. yeah I mean you never know and also you've been living in Texas for a while so maybe you are sort of wandering into Megan McCain territory oh my gosh absolutely not that's why I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Yeah, moving. Uh, to... Do you have any other news? Uh, what what struck your fancy over the well, last Well, the weeks? Oscar shortlist came out. Oh yes, yes. Which no Taylor so, Swift. Well, some Taylor Swift. The so the Oscar shortlists are for ten categories, and sort of like a selection committee of people within the branch narrow down the options for right. the general voters. Um, so not all of the categories have this, but. 10 of them do, including shorts, um, the documentary, uh, uh, best international feature. But two of the categories that pertain directly to Taylor Swift were best live action short, which she had been campaigning the all too well video for and best original song, which she has famously the where the crawdads sing song Mm. song, where the crawdads sing song. That she was promoting. But she had mostly been doing stuff with the short and had sort of been neglecting the Where the Crawdads Sings song. I feel like I had not seen very much about that. Yeah. But then when the shortlist came out, the branch for the shorts did not qualify her. But she is still in the running for uh, Best Original Song. I don't think that she has much of a chance to win the category. Mm -hmm. But 
she could theoretically be getting her first Oscar nomination mm. this year. She's up against some stiff competition, so I don't know how that will all shake out necessarily, but it's possible. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't hear anything about that. Um, so On the Swifty I side of things? Even Swifties don't care. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Maybe they don't know, like, Oscar shortlist or something. Um but wow, good for her. I feel like I can name four songs in movies that are more likely to get nominated slash win. But and also I think the problem is that that movie is controversial. So Yeah, how I much mean does the she song want to branch doesn't necessarily like Right, right. But how much does she want to like keep on saying like, oh, I'm so glad I I wrote this song before even knowing I could use it in the movie. I'm just obsessed with this book. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So not a great, not a great experience for the uh, campaign trail, probably. But that's exciting. Um, and then I don't think she got. I don't think she's made it this far before. Yeah, I was trying to think. She's because cats definitely did not make it to this level. <laughs> it, yeah. And I'm trying to think of what. But she was at the Oscars, I felt like. Did she just present? I thought she was nominated for something, but maybe she's just a presenter. I don't think she's ever been nominated for anything. Yeah. Well, anyways, any other um, shortlist uh, snubs or hits you're excited about? or? Um, the only real, I think, like, sn- the m- honestly, this year's crop i don't know if it's that i've just watched way more movies than normal or if it's somehow like a more condensed group but i feel like most of the things that made the shortlist were things that i had seen and have gotten like decent reviews and stuff there wasn't a ton of like where the hell did that come from (laughs) kind of uh, things that made the short list where I feel like usually there's more of that like yeah. the visual effects I feel like we have the Fantastic Beast movie and mm-hmm. then the Batman but those are like the two most outlier-ish of, in that list which usually has a lot more you know like a Michael Bay movie or something <laughs> and then um, the only real snub snub I think that I've heard people talking about was in the documentary category there's a pretty well-known well-liked documentary called goodnight oppie which is about the mars rover um that's been doing very well and made a lot of money and i think is on amazon now and is a very like crowd pleasery kind of thing and it didn't make the short list and there are some uh rumors going around that the reason why it was cut is because of the the people who were on the doc com- selection committee we're trying to head off a potential uh, my octopus teacher situation <laughs> where these like more like crowd friendly, but like not as well like done documentaries win. Speak and so yourself. they purposefully did not add it to the short list. <laughs> I, like, obviously I have no idea if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard. Yeah. Oh, uh, did you see it? Should I check it out? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I like it a lot better than My Octopus Teacher, but it is sort of that, like, feel-goody energy in a way that's, you know, it's not, like, about the election fraud in Uzbekistan (laughs) or whatever, like, some of these other documentaries tend to be. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I'll add it to the list. Um, The international one list is really good, though. There's lots of good international stuff this year. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure. Was Triple R on there? Well, no. So... uh, 
RRR is not, and this is a whole big thing where the um, the Indian gov because the message is sort of like an anti-government message. The Indian government did not want to submit it, and so it wasn't even India's selection. India does have a movie on the shortlist, and they're trying to push RRR. RRR made the best original song shortlist, um, and they're trying to push it in other categories as well, but. That's disappointing. Uh, but it will not be up for best international. The same thing happened, though, to Parallel Mothers a couple of years ago. Or was that last year? And and Penelope Cruz still got nominated, and it got a couple of other nominations. So I don't think that RRR is, tech, is out of the running yet. Okay. Because a lot of people love it. And honestly, not being in the international category, I think, helps it in some ways. Because then people have to kind of vote right. for it other places. Where if it's in an international, they can go, oh, well, it can win that. And then we don't have to think about it anymore. Oh, wow. That really hurts my heart. But I'm, I'm glad to hear your positive take on it. And I hope to see it on that ballot somewhere. Um, I also wanted to get your take on this Rolling Stones. <laughs> Rolling Stones loves to do these controversial lists. I don't know why. I don't know who's being paid to do these and like who has to fall on their sword to publish them. But they just came out with the um, 200 greatest singers of all time. And um, I don't know if you had a chance to look at this, uh, but it it got some attention um, because obviously there were some great ones in there with like Beyonce at number eight and... Uh, Mariah Carey is number five. Adele is at number 22. Um, Taylor Swift is on there at like 190. But there was no um, Celine Dion. Yeah, I. that's what I saw um, as the headline. I hadn't seen anything about this article. And then I saw someone tweet that like Celine Dion isn't on there. And then I also saw somebody tweet that um, Kelly Clarkson is like 190 something and Taylor Swift is at 100 oh, yeah. and right. everyone was like huh. um, <laughs> that's right yeah Kelly Clarkson barely scoots in at 190 and Taylor Swift is at 109 and then as it was getting you know some heat uh, Rolling Stones came out with a additional like you know tweet and Instagram post that was like before you start scrolling keep in mind that this is the greatest singers list not the greatest voices list um, which was an unclear rubric. They didn't really explain the difference. It just was like based on originality, influence, the depth of a of an artist's catalog, and the breadth of their musical legacy. Which, in that regard, it seems like you should just call it the greatest artist list, like the greatest musician musicians. But like emphasizing the singers part of it, it's like it seems like the voice should matter, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm a I'm a Taylor Swift stan, but I. If I was lining up the greatest singers, she wouldn't be beating out like Kelly Clarkson necessarily, even if her, you know, um, social footprint is maybe larger at this point. Yeah, it's really hard to. It's really hard to even begin to judge this. I mean, they said yeah. that they have like a crazy rubric and they surveyed all these people and you know, that this is an expansion of a list that they had done in 2008. But it is very, uh, I mean, subjective, but also confusing what the, what the, like, yeah, the 
criteria even are because it's like is it the biggest legacy is it the you know it's like there's some people in the top who are more recent and then some people who are older you know it's like yeah and then if you're like Whitney Houston is number two which makes sense because she has like a really great voice obviously and is a tremendous singer but I'm kind of like in pop culture zeitgeist it feels like someone like Frank Sinatra maybe should be like ranking higher because he's more like of a you know like longevity sort of person who like sort of defined a whole genre Uh, yeah it's 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 endlessly confusing and but they have the clicks and yeah um, that's what matters Mm. um they honestly like choose violence every day and I applaud them for that. Honestly, I do. I mean, I love like a movie uh, ranking and I feel like those are also difficult, but at least there's some sort of rubric. Like if they had said, okay, best, like, m- like best uh, song of all time or something like, then you kind of know what the, criteria is but yeah this it really could mean anything and it's like is it their whole catalog is it their voice is it their performance like is it their growth is it their yeah yeah longevity who knows because i mean i feel like taylor swift's fans i think would say that her strongest suit is her songwriting and or her marketing ability. I'm not sure a lot of people would be saying that her strongest suit is her vocal stylings necessarily, um, which I think seem to be fairly average in the in the world of singers. I mean, if you're looking at Taylor Swift's history specifically, I feel like she has grown a lot, and that's kind of what the article cited was like, oh, she's crossed genres. She continues to push herself. Her vocals are stronger now than they were to begin with, like blah, blah, blah. So it's like she is an interesting musical figure. But yeah, it's kind of like I, I don't know how to line her up when you're when you're titling it as like singers, not voice, but also voice and like, hmm. Curious. Yeah, because I mean, you you can't stick her next to somebody like Ariana Grande or whatever yeah. and compare the voices. I mean, yeah, the vocal range. Yeah, <laughs> it's like some of these people are like singing her out the door, yeah. and yeah, weird. Um, speaking of singers who I don't think cut, made the list and also did not make several other lists, James Corden uh, has been in the news for two different interesting piece of casting. Uh, Oh, really? Behind the scenes footage that he has dished out. Did you see either of these stories? So first it was revealed that he was uh, apparently in like the final rounds of callbacks for the Lord of the Rings series for the Uh Sam role back in the day that Sean, that what's his name? Aston? Yeah. Sean? Sam? Yeah, Sean, I think. Sean Aston? Yes. Sam Gamgee. Sam Wise. Sam Gamgee. Yes that he was up for that, but then obviously lost that out. But then in a more interesting bit of news, he was apparently up for the role of that. Brendan Fraser has in the whale. Oh, wow. That'd be, that'd be horrific. Which Um, have you seen that yet? No, not yet. No. And yeah, I, I cannot serious film. Yes. Even begin to think about, (laughs) James Corden playing that. I feel like he would have been feel like horrible. An SNL skit. Yes, but 
interesting to say the least how did these come out like what is he he's just trying to be relevant again or what so he, i think i think he has some kind of movie coming out um called mammals which i don't know anything about but he is on some sort of press tour for it and huh. that that is why he has been doing these interviews and this information has come out through some way <laughs> shape or form that's amazing I I, I honestly is. I should look this up. I would love for there to be like you know how there's the UK office and then the American office. I think there should be an American Lord of the Rings just to see what happens, you know, just to see a oh, little bit a of spice show. Or just like just turn it around, make it more pop. Give us the James Corden as Samwise. Give us the um who was up as as Vigo Mortensen's character. There's a I lot of weird no casting idea. choices that were almost almost happening in that film that I almost want to see play out, um, even though I absolutely hate it. <laughs> James yeah. Gordon is Samwise. I can picture it, and I don't like it. So. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense in a lot of ways. And I do wonder if it's better because it is James Corden, like, you know, 20 years ago before he was famous in yeah, any way, yeah. shape, or form. So, like, I'm sure that if that is the first thing that we had seen him totally in, there would, life. yeah, there would be more. I mean, he would be less famous now, I think, because no one from that movie has really gone on to do anything. Um, no, I mean, a little bit, but yeah. He would have gotten eaten in a season of Stranger Things. Oh. <laughs> Oh, wow. James Corden. I'm just going to see that in my mind's eye every time I rewatch those movies. Just watching him give those speeches with his most serious face on. That's amazing. Um, I have a whole bunch of drama regarding the most recent episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, but I feel like our time is going long. So perhaps we should skip that. But I think Jen Shaw punched Heather Gay in the face if anybody is... You do think that, or there is footage of it? No. Uh, well, I don't want to get into this, but there's oh, okay. a whole... There's a, the, On the most recent episode, and they've been building to this all season, Heather oh, has a black... Wakes up in the morning, she has a black eye, and it, she, it's, she will not say how she got it. She says, oh, I can't remember. Oh, I know. Oh, everybody here knows, but nobody's willing to talk about it. A lot of conflicting reports on how the black eye came about Mm. and we don't know but i assume that the show has to know in some way shape or form because it was on vacation that this happened and so (laughs) all of them are staying in this house together and there's footage everywhere yes um but i think that jen shaw was drunk and punched her and that heather is refusing to say that because jen at the time was you know uh like wait on trial and waiting for sentencing and they didn't want bad things to come out about it. But her sentencing is the sixth. So she will probably be in jail and then maybe we'll get some answers. We'll see. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Well, is that your love it or hate it or? uh... Oh no, I have a separate love it or hate it. I mean, I love Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, but no, my love it is this movie that's out on Netflix that I feel like no one is talking about inexplicably called mm. The Pale Blue Eye. It's Christian Bale's new movie. Okay, Have you yeah. seen or heard anything about this? No, actually. Yeah. So it's a mis- it's a murder mystery. It's based on a book, a novel of some sort that came out um, 
like in 2003, I think. And it's kind of like Edgar Allan Poe adjacent. Dudley Dursley plays Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I don't, I don't think this is historically accurate at all. I think they just are sort of like grafting on to him and this legacy. But Christian Bale is like a detective who is brought to a military academy sort of in the dead of winter. There have been some deaths if mysterious ways and he is brought in to investigate it and i just thought it was a very like good and spooky murder mystery a lot of those people who you like recognize but couldn't put their name uh, to them like dudley dursley pop up in the cast and it's all like very foggy and uh like old buildings sort of set in like a i don't know like some like not revolutionary war era, but I guess like shortly after that America. And well, I don't think people are talking about it cause it's not out yet. What do you mean? I saw it in theaters. Oh, well, it's, not it's out Netflix here. Yet. Oh, well, when does it come out on Netflix? I don't oh, know. January 6th. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, they have not been doing much press for it and I am telling okay. you it's a okay. good movie. I'll hit remind me on my Netflix app. Yes. So in a few days, I'll remember that you recommended it and got on all our listeners' butts for not knowing what it was. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie that comes out in three days. Yeah, yeah, you're right. People you're right. should have heard of it. It you're has right. Christian Bale in it. You're right. As like the you're lead, right. who's but a very famous person. Yeah. And it's I... a Netflix movie and it doesn't look cheap. Yeah. Well, that must be the the outlier of, you know, quiet indie Oscar-y films that no one knew about and that's the one that might make it onto some of these ballots because I'd never heard of it. I mean, I don't... For some reason, I think that they are just, like, not pushing it for Oscars at all, which is also weird because I mean, Christian Bale is good in it yeah, as he's good in most things. So, hmm. hmm. What do you have? Okay, I can either talk about um, Matilda or Triangle of Sadness, so... <laughs> Let's talk about Matilda, which I haven't watched yet. But how CG heavy was it? Okay, because you so know Matilda that I was musical, focused on that. Uh, is now on the American Netflix as well, and I watched it with my daughter, and it's cute. It's it's very sweet. The performances are all great. Like honestly, Matilda, the actress, so cute, so talented. Loved every minute. Um, Emma Thompson. I mean, it's the as- same story as the musical, so we knew it was going to be good. Well, Story-wise. Yeah, I mean, some musical movies are not good. The, the Prom was great. I loved <laughs> yes, The Prom. Case in point. Um, I loved the stage musical. I saw it in the UK when it was first, like, you know. Yes, yes. We've yeah. heard. We, we've then heard, I saw it is... in New York again. Loved it. Um, there were some songs in it that I was like, huh, this is weird. But they took those songs right out of the movie. <laughs> so it's perfect. Um, my three least favorite songs did not make the cut. I think overall it was a stronger film. It is very CGI. Um, what songs like, did they cut? They cut Knock on the Door, Jenny. And they cut the interlude song, Telly. And they cut the mom song about just dancing or moving oh the like the the one where she's ballroom dancing or yeah, whatever yeah oh yeah that was a weird number yeah so they streamlined it to be and i couldn't remember if the musical has a son in it a brother or not because the 
obviously the original like 90s film did. Um, I don't remember a brother. Okay. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't one. Yeah. So all in all, like um, Lashana, who we saw in The Woman King, is Miss Honey. And she's great in it. Very sweet. I don't – I think they cut her song because she's not like the strongest singer. But she's not like an annoying – it's not like watching Pierce Brosnan sing. So she doesn't sing at all in the movie. She does sing. Or just in the ensemble. But she doesn't have her own – song gotcha okay um and so and then mrs trunchbull emma thompson was great uh it is very cgi but it wasn't like it wasn't as bad as like the witches or as distracting as something like cheesy like it leaned into its own whimsical you know magical realism of her fantasies and whatnot and it was great i really liked it i think it's it it's reaching a lot more people. People are enjoying the songs again. Like it reminded me of how fun the Trunchbull songs are, how clever the revolting children song is. And it's just like a nice feel good, but also very like dark, <laughs> you know, it's like about child abuse. Like, um, and so it's funny to watch it, like thinking what kids would enjoy it. But, you know, I think it's one of those movies that we grew up with and that kids have always had those sort of edgy movies whether it's the Goonies or Sandlot or whatever and so it was nice to have a child's movie that wasn't so twee and like polished and sanded over and this one was still very approachable and sweet while also dealing with like parents dying and children being (laughs) tortured and and adults just failing them at every turn so all in all uh, a great experience okay I have a quick question I'm going to watch this at some point but the I saw clips of the boy playing Bruce, like mm-hmm. doing dancing. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what is going on with this? Because I wasn't sure. Like, he looks like he's wearing just like a giant a pillow suit. strapped yeah. to the front of him. But then I was like, maybe there's some plot line for why he looks like this that I'm missing. I meant to go back and double check, but I'm pretty sure what happens is that he's normal. And then he eats his big chocolate cake and has that like pudge for the rest of the film. So it's meant to be like cartoonishly, you know, unrealistic. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it is a noticeably bad fat suit as far as fat suits go. <laughs> yes, because I was like, this is very odd that they would not just hire a chubbier kid yeah. <laughs> for this yeah. role and why they would do this bad fat suit on a child. Yeah. But I guess that makes sense if it's has yeah, if it's I sort of like a like joke in and of itself. Like, yeah. This playful sort of like he ate and like it should have been cake shaped is how they were ah uh, so, gotcha uh, obvious about it. Hmm, um, interesting, but yeah, I mean it's very. I think it found its home. You know, Netflix streaming is a good place for it. I don't think this would have done well in, well, maybe in theaters because everyone needed. A, I could have seen. Everyone needed a movie to go to this Christmas that wasn't Babylon, um, but it was good. Babylon is a great movie, but I would not take my children to it. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, well, we are going to be talking about another holiday movie, but not one that was in theaters, Glass <laughs> Onion, uh, on our Thursday episode. This has been percolating and out and back in, in theaters, out of theaters. It's at a award show. Oh, it's not. It's doing all kinds of crazy things for the past month. But now it's finally out. Everybody can see it. We will be breaking down the murder mystery plot line. Um, Anything else, Shelby? No, I'm excited. Okay, we'll see you guys Thursday. Bye. Bye.